Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, good morning, everybody. Do you know, I've entered this moment a lot more calmly than in my dream last night. In my dream last night, everything went wrong. Um, my pr- you know, printers wouldn't work, technology wasn't working, and I could, I'd written down a script so I couldn't quite remember it. And then Josh said, and now Julia's going to preach. And I stormed in from the back, and I said, I can't do it anymore! And there was blubber and snot and everything everywhere. Now, I think it was a little bit prophetic, because a few things did go awry this morning. The printer wasn't working at home, the printer wasn't working here. Things were technology, um, lots of technological difficulties. I'm so thankful for a calm team who like, worked through it and um, yeah, just stayed really calm. And here we are. And I walked in so serenely, didn't I? Not a bit of blubber or snot in sight. Fabulous. So we're going to continue our series today looking at the Holy Spirit. Um, last week we looked at who the Sp- Holy Spirit is. Today we're going to focus in on what does the Holy Spirit do. And next week we're going to... Um, think about how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's all based on the Alpha Course. Um, and our prayer is, as we go through this together, that we will open our lives to the Holy Spirit. That we, we don't just talk about the Holy Spirit, but that we will um, have an experience of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to share with you a, a little bit of my journey, because I wasn't always brought up as a Christian um, so I haven't like grown up knowing all this stuff, knowing who the Holy Spirit is. It wasn't in, until I was in my 20s that I became a Christian. And if I was to describe you know, how I saw myself then, um, maybe I was a little bit self-obsessed. I was like, kind of interested in my career and job and um, company car and um, having a nice handsome boyfriend was particularly important at that time. I was also very insecure. Um, and so, I, yeah, it was kind of like a, a self-absorption in myself. Um, and I had this friend who was a Christian who was determined that I should be a Christian too. And she kept telling me all about Jesus and why I should become a Christian. And I wasn't having any of it. And then I don't know how it happened, but one day I ended up in a church with her and somebody started to talk about Jesus, and I, I just like wanted to know more. It was like the first time I'd ever really heard about who Jesus is. And then after the service, they were they were doing Holy Communion, like we are today. And they um, and I just thought to myself, I really want to go up and do Holy Communion, but I'd never, ever done it before. I didn't know what it was, and I was kind of thinking to myself, what do I do? How do, how do I, what, what's it about? And then the guy who was leading the service, it was like he'd read my mind, and he said, and if there's anybody here that doesn't know what they're doing with communion or doesn't really know what it's about, we'd love to talk to you. Come to the front. And so I um, thought gosh, that's me, I need to go. But I didn't want my friend to know, so I took a really circuitous route round via the toilets to the front. And then this lady started to tell me about communion. She, um, at, you know, she prayed with me, told me a bit about Jesus. And in that moment, it f- I just felt like 
It was like liquid love filling me. And it was, I just felt so completely different and vibrant and alive. And then I went home, I went to bed. And you know, the next morning I woke up and I felt the same. It's like everything had changed. My perspective on life had completely changed. And I was on this journey now with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. But that was just the beginning of this new life. And for for all of us, as we um, go through a life as Christians, um, there's a journey ahead. And I wanted to share with you six things um, that the Holy Spirit does in the lives of Christians. And we're going to draw on this image of being a family. First of all, the Holy Spirit makes us sons and daughters of God. In the first two verses of our reading today, we hear that when we come to Christ, we are completely forgiven. Jesus took all of our sins, the past, past, present, and future, and he takes them on himself on the cross, and he buries them, and they stay, that's where they stay. So the moment that you come to Christ, there's no condemnation, you're totally free. But then something even more amazing happens. We become in this relationship with God. Now all all are created by God, but not everybody is in that relationship like a son and daughter are with their parents. In a family of God, what happens, um, that, that doesn't happen by our birth, but it happens by our spiritual birth. And that's when we come to these later verses, 14 to 17, which talks about our adoption as a son or daughter of God. And I just want to mention four things that I want to highlight about that. The first one is there is no greater privilege than being a child of God. There's no higher privilege. Recently on my Facebook, I had a reminder that six years ago, I met the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. And he was on a tour of Derbyshire, and he stopped in Glossop, which is where I was living at the time. And there were some outdoor baptisms that were happening. And the crowds had come out, all the crowds from Glossop had come out on on an evening, especially to meet the Archbishop of Canterbury. It was... um, really exciting for us and then around that time there was some um the press they'd been having a field day because they'd found out that the archbishop of canterbury that his who they thought who he'd grown up thinking was his biological dad was in fact not his dad and as the baptism candidates that evening shared their testimony he shared also something a little bit about his story and how It had been a real surprise for him, knowing that the dad he'd known and grown up with wasn't his biological dad, and that, you know, that was a real challenge for him. That he'd, you know, really had to come to terms with that. But also, he shared that there'd been tougher times in his life. Um, But this news, it, it had, it had to take stock of what it meant for him, and think about his identity. And what the conclusion he came to is it wasn't about genetics or a position of authority, but in being Justin, a servant of Christ Jesus, a child of God, there truly is no higher privilege than that.
The second thing, as a child of God, um, we have the closest possible intimacy with him. The word Abba that we um, read in verse 15 is, is left in Aramaic because it's hard to translate that accurately. The closest that we can get to it in English is daddy, but it's like kind of without those childish connotations. Abba it wasn't used in the Old Testament, and um, so it's really distinctive when Jesus uses it and shows the intimacy that it has with the Father. And we're aware that it's Father's Day today, and if you're here and you're a, you're a dad, happy Father's Day to you. But I know that it can also bring with it some difficult emotions. For some, it can be a really tough day because of difficult experiences. And because of those experiences, for some people, the idea of God as Father can be, it can be a real stumbling block. But Jesus encourages us that, that having that relationship with God as Father, you can belong to the family of God. And you can, you can have him as, as Father too. You can have that same special, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. And you can cry, Abba, Father, too, just like Jesus. And the third thing is that being a child of God is it's like the deepest possible experience that you can have. And people today, they're searching all over the place for all different types of experiences, perhaps a little bit like me when I was in my 20s. Um, but, you know... There's no deeper experience, as it says in verse 16. He describes it as, as the Spirit of God testifying with our spirit deep within us that we are children of God, loved and precious to him. And actually remembering that I am a child of God and that God loves me is my best, favorite and safest place to be. There's no deeper experience. That, and it feels to me like it's a hug. Because knowing who he really is and knowing that that's where I belong, that's a really deep experience for me. And often when we're together, we have this time where we, we welcome the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here already, but we just have that time where we stop what we're doing, have a moment of silence, and we wait on the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we're doing when we do that is putting ourselves in a position to receive uh, that hug. And it's much hard, harder to give or receive a hug when, when you're all curled up and tense. My daughter the other day, she was really angry with me for something and she curled up in a ball and she refused as, much as, I try, as hard as I tried to release herself and I couldn't give her a hug because she wasn't in the position to receive it. And it's the same when we're waiting on the Holy Spirit. When we open our hands, we put ourselves in a posture to receive the Spirit so that we can test, he can testify to our spirit and we can have that deep experience of knowing and understanding that you're a child of God and that God loves you. And fourth, before I go on to the next point, is that being a son and daughter of God gives us a secure hope. Verse 17 tells us that if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. As a child of God, we inherit not just, um, not on our father's death, but on our own death. 
all the riches that are available to us. Our future is totally secure. So that's the first thing um, that the Holy Spirit does. He makes us sons and daughters of God. The second thing is the Holy Spirit develops our relationship with God. When we're born, it's like it's only the beginning. I said that already of our relationship. Um, but when we're born as, as a, um, a, a human being, it's also the only, it's only the beginning of our relationship with our parents. Our relationship continues to grow as we change throughout our lifetime. And it's the same with our relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit helps us to develop that relationship and deepen it. And especially when we're, when we're praying and when we're reading the Bible. Ephesians 2.18 says this. For through him we, have, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. God never says I'm too busy or sort your own life um, before you come and talk to me about it. Jesus is completely removed that barrier between us and God. And the Holy Spirit brings us into his presence. That means when we pray, God hears us. Recently, I was at a very posh, swanky do with my husband. He had to dust his DJ off. I had to find an outfit that still fitted me. And um, we, we turned up at this place, all dressed up. And when we got to the bar, it was super busy. And I positioned myself at one end of the bar, and my husband positioned himself a little bit further down to increase our chances of getting served at this very busy bar. And there were two men that were sat next to me on bar stools, also dressed in their DJs. And they said to me, you know, um, you're, n- you're not going to get served there. You're at the wrong end of the bar. The barmen are at the other end. We, we sat here for ages before. We, it didn't work for us. You need to go down to the other end of the bar. And I said to them, I looked at the other end of the bar, I could see these two barmen, and they were serving like intricate cocktails for the people at the other end. And I could see it probably is going to take a while, but... I thought, I said to them, don't worry, me and my husband, we have got tactics. He's over there at the middle of the bar, and I'm going to stand here, I'm going to put my card a little bit, lean forward, and they'll know that um, we're, we're here to be served. And I think I'm pretty positive I'm next. And then I saw that one of the bar staff had finished serving these intricate cocktails, and I knew it was me next, and I waited. And then I saw the bar member look from his left to his right, And he said, who's next? And he didn't even look down the other end of the bar. He was looking kind of at the people that were straight in front of him. And out of nowhere, I completely bypassed our tactics and, I'll have you know, all sophistication. And this voice rose up inside of me and I shouted down the bar, full volume, I'm next! And everyone, like, it was like the whole bar stopped talking. It was a really noisy bar. They all turned towards me. And um, the barmen, the one of the barmen walked down the, to, to me. I could see the other people at the other end looking a bit bewildered with their list of 10 cocktails they wanted to order. And the barman said, what can I get you, madam? Now, the point of, yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> can I just say, before I tell you the point of that story, um, my husband's face 
was, like, I was feeling a bit embarrassed, but it was similar to the face that he showed when I was walking down the aisle. He was so proud of me. <laughs> but the point of the story, and there is a point, is that the barrier was much smaller than everyone thought. And I think in terms of prayer that it's like that too between us and God. It's much less than many people think. In fact, it's non-existent. We have access by the Spirit. And I don't, when I say that, I don't mean the variety that you find in a cocktail. And so through the Holy Spirit, we can talk to him, we can come close to him, we can understand him speaking to us also through the Bible. And the Holy Spirit helps us to remember and grasp God's word better. We don't need to understand it all. It's the Holy Spirit who brings that understanding and helps us then to develop the relationship with God. So, third thing. The Holy Spirit develops the family likeness. Now, have you noticed that the more time you spend with someone, you tend to pick up their mannerisms and habits? Yeah, it's not gone unnoticed that you two have like got your flowery tops on and your mustard-coloured Ellie and Josh over there. <laughs> Similarly, in the Christian family, the church, um, there should be that family likeness. As we spend time with our Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit gradually transforms us. We become more like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And in becoming more like Jesus, the Spirit develops characteristics in us. In Galatians 5, we have the the fruits of the Spirit, which tell us our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The evidence of the Spirit working on us and and in our lives is the increasing love for God and also for others. And there's joy too, which is different from happiness. We're not guaranteed happiness in our, as Christians. Sometimes people have difficult lives, and I, I think we all know what it is to have struggles. But despite those difficulties and struggles, you can still experience deep joy through the Holy Spirit. And there's peace. Again, this isn't superficial peace, but peace in amidst the trouble and anxiety. Peace that passes all understanding. And then the list goes on. And I wonder this morning what it is that you want to ask the Holy Spirit of more of to develop that family likeness for you. Fourth, the Holy Spirit keeps unity in the family. Ephesians 4, verse 3 to 6 Um, It starts off by saying, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Spirit brings unity in relationships, in marriage, in family and friendship. And although it's not easy unity, is it? We're we're meant to be an example um, to a troubled and divided world. But sometimes we're not. But Jesus prayed for unity for the church. And I must mention here that this isn't about uniformity because we're all different. It's not about being the same. But unity 
which is much more fundamental and radical than uniformity because it's about love. Having the Holy Spirit living with us because... Um, living with us, within us, because of our relationship with Jesus means that we can meet Christians from different continents. I'm so so great that we've got some um, uh, uh, visitors with us today from a different continent, different backgrounds, experience, and discover that because of our many differences, we know a unity of love and devotion that can't be broken. Because it says in this verse, we share one body, one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one Father. What unites us is far greater than what divides us. And St. Paul, he encourages us to make every effort to keep that unity in our spiritual family. Now, our family, family might not be such a helpful picture to, to everyone, but if we focus on what it is to be a healthy family, what that might look like, you might have your squabbles, um, but overall, that you, you care for one another, you look out for each other, you believe in each other, you see the good in them. I'm sure you can see the negatives too, but you love them anyway because they are family. Now, that, that's a re- really challenging but, it's, but the great thing is the Holy Spirit helps us to keep the unity of the Spirit. A friend of mine was telling me something the other day. She'd heard, um, she'd heard about another Christian friend. And it didn't put them in such a great light. And I will hold my hands up that there are times when I say things you know, that do pretty much the same type of thing. Um, but it's a problem. It's actually quite a serious problem because it creates disunity. And the next day, my friend, she messaged me and apologized. Now, I hadn't said anything to her to make her feel bad. I just listened. But she shared with me that through the word of God, um, the spirit had been ministering to her spirit and opening her eyes to what her actions could do for the unity are in our family. That's because the Holy Spirit keeps unity in the family. Fifth, the Holy Spirit gives gifts for all the children. So the Holy Spirit develops that family likeness and he brings us into unity, but there's also great diversity. We're diverse in many different ways, in our ages, our backgrounds, our nationalities, but we're also diverse in the sense that we have different gifts. And the New Testament talks about how we all have um, different but complementary gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12, it gives a list of the variety of those spiritual gifts. Wisdom, faith, healing, miracles, discernment, tongues. And it's not meant to be an exhaustive list because elsewhere there are other gifts that are mentioned too, like hospitality, teaching, encouragement, evangelism, administration. Some gifts clearly de- demonstrate like the supernatural activity of God in this world. I don't know if my dream last night was prophetic or not. I don't know. Maybe, I'm, I don't think it was. Um, but things like tongues and, or miracles, but other things might be more natural talents that the Holy Spirit transforms in us so that we ha- it has a spiritual impact. 
But what's important to point out, as we see in verse 7, is that they are free gifts given to each one. So each person is given something to do that shows who God is. And they are for the common good, so that they benefit everyone. And I remember about 10 years ago, a complete stranger was praying for me and um, at a conference, and they had this picture of the Pied Piper, and they said that they saw me as someone who gathers people. And as I look back on my ministry, I can see that being played out in lots of different ways, not least as I gather the team to, to go to Bramley. So through the Holy Spirit, someone used my, their supernatural gift to encourage me in my natural gift, which has a spiritual impact. Although I must add that a caveat for those who are hoping to join me um, on the church plan, if you know the tale of the Pied Piper, you will be seen again. <laughs> um, finally, and you'll put this, this is the last thing. There's so many benefits to the Holy Spirit, isn't there? We've got six here. I'm sure there are even more. Um, the last thing is that the Holy Spirit brings a growing family it's natural for families to grow, and the church should all, um, always be growing as well. In Acts, Jesus says, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Spirit of God fills you, and you grasp what it is to be part of God's family, as you receive and use God's gifts for his glory and let his words sweep and seep into your being, it's got to overflow. And people will ask you questions about your faith. They'll want to know about the church family that you're part of. And you might not get much time to answer that, but it won't be difficult because it's, it will overflow from who you are. It will radiate from you as the Holy Spirit comes on you, being witnesses to Jesus and the church family begins to grow. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.